thank you for your lecture. Uh, one point I found very surprising, when there is so much of exchange between China and India, uh, how is it that uh, this printing press and paper don't seem to have become very popular in India as you would have expected with so much traffic between the two nations? No, they also did not have the modern printing press. So, yep. they had a printing press which was functional. True. So, you can blame the Mughal rule for that because there was a, the, the Jesuit missionaries who came uh, and actually demonstrated a printing press to Akbar and Akbar did not show any interest in it. Now, just imagine if he had shown interest and got it popularized, then we would have been ahead of China. China did not have this kind of printing press, that the modern one, but yeah, they had a basic no, one. Basic one. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing so is, the, the most amazing thing is how did we have so much knowledge even without printing, right? Even. Uh, True. Yeah. But you know, even until the late 18th century, things hmm. used to be written by hand on the Bhoj Patra only. Hmm. Even after all this had happened, hmm. I mean, do you have any no, idea? I think there was some kind of printing. I, I, I have heard that there was some kind of block printing because they knew block printing on fabric. Fabric, yeah. So there was, uh, it's not that we didn't know printing at all because we carried it to China. Yeah. But maybe we were not mass producing but, it. But we are also not taking paper from China. Hmm. That is the other part of it. Hmm. So that is very puzzling for me. Hmm. So, I am not sure, I do not have the full picture on this paper part, uh, but yeah, it is a point to note. Mm. The oral tradition was supposed to be more effective in carrying the integrity and uh, you know the absolutely. sanctity of absolutely, absolutely. the yeah. content. So, yeah, but oral so did tradition printing of course press had distort it by uh, producing lots of myths or stuff which was not uh, well authenticated? Mm -hmm. So, was that a disruption in uh, the tradition, in carrying out the tradition? You mean the… Was the distortion? Did it distort? You mean the printed uh, yeah, information? Yeah, To some extent, I think so. Yeah, because… Uh, but then again, you know, yeah, once you start relying on paper, your memory also goes down, isn't it? Like even today, we use calc uh, calculators and we have stopped adding and subtracting nowadays. So, there would have been a bit of disruption, but I think both would have coexisted. If we didn't have that kind of rule, which completely divorced us from our traditional education, I think both would have coexisted. We would have been proud of our heritage, we would have continued with our uh, oral tradition, but we would have used uh, uh, printed books as an aid. Yeah, uh, so, uh, so my other question was that uh, where Vedanta students paid less allowance than the regular uh, or was it more? You said 66 percent. Yeah, in that particular, in yeah. Nairam, they have said that 66 percent more to the more more to the students who are studying the higher subjects. Okay. Yeah. My question is uh, about a hypothetical situation. Hmm. Uh, Islamic invaders came to India and mostly destroyed most of the you know universities. Hmm. And even the Spaniards, they went to South America and they destroyed their learning systems hmm. along with roughly 90 percent of their population. Yes. Correct. So had these events not happened, hmm. where would humanity be as of 2018? Would we have uh, colonized the entire uh, solar system by now? Would we have colonized? Yes, humanity as a whole. No, I don't uh, think so. See, I feel that if we had let things be in India without any invaders coming in, so I think these uh, temple universities would have eventually become uh, the uh, famous universities of today. For example, even uh, in uh, US, you know, the this uh, Duke and uh, Baylor University, Georgetown, they were all earlier religious centers which became universities. So, I think we would have had all these universities, foreign students coming and studying, there would have been collaboration and I think we would have had uh, equal importance to humanities and sciences. 
like you know what we see today where we feel that the science students are more intelligent than humanities that wouldn't have happened because in our tradition we give lot of importance to languages so all the, the subjects would have flourished and there would have been a lot of give and take there would have been foreign students uh, studying in different uh, institutions they would have taken back knowledge there would have been i mean what you are seeing in the us today a better form of that would have been in india i feel that there, i don't think we would have gone around we colonized with knowledge maybe but in in a give and take manner because you see in uh, southeast asia right we uh, the closest example we can get so they we didn't colonize them we could have even the cholas it's not like they forced them to change their language actually sometime from i have a physics background i was more interested in you know understanding uh, how much of technology technological progress we could have made i think see we, see we lost those centuries when we when we forgot what was done by brahmagupta and bhaskaracharya don't you think somebody would have come along and said okay how can we use it you know and with foreign students also coming in i think technology would have been very easy we already already had indigenous technologies Dharampal has also written a book on how we were producing ice in those days. They were able to produce ice in Delhi. There was no refrigerator, but they actually found a way of using evaporation in such a way that in the uh, between night and morning, the they would they would have very shallow ponds which would uh, freeze water into ice by the next day. So this was something astonishing to the British themselves. They said, "How are they doing this? They are producing ice in Delhi, even in summer." So I think technology would not have been a problem. We would have really flourished. But, uh, I was wondering, uh, you didn't touch on Arthashastra. I would have loved to see, uh, you know, Chanakya come in, and I saw that, you know, when you see, the, you know, uh, Arthashastra. So I have mentioned it in the book, but um, like I have not. I, of course, when it, it, he was an expert in governance, right? So I mean, I have put it in the in the general category. Takshashila, student of Takshashila. Yeah. Today, I think what is happening in the world, of course, this technology is a new disruptor which has come into education. But there is also some very interesting trends happening worldwide. You know, mm -hmm. look at uh, the Scandinavian countries like Finland, etc., yes, who are yes. doing away with the typical education system. You know, the the education system which has literally become mass commodified uh, system across the world and led by the Western, uh, you know, industrialization. Uh, so somewhere there is an awareness which is coming in worldwide that we need to, um, um, you know, become more connected to our own uh, ethos, so mm. to speak. And I, I guess what is happening in Scandinavia is, is a little bit of that. Mm. And then of course, touching on some more li liberal trends, etc., and exploring, um, uh, you know, intelligences in a very, very um, uh, fundamental way, which I'm pretty sure has some historical. Um, uh, you know linkages to our uh, to you know our Vedic periods. Uh, I'm not very sure between the Vedic periods and the Muslim uh, uh, period what really happened because the whole concept of Bharat itself had uh, you know started uh, dismantling uh, due to so many of these rajas, small small rajas, and I'm sure there were centers of excellence in some parts of India, but it was not a cohesive whole. That we know. No, no, but the civilizational uh, sense of civilizational unity was there. But yes, you know, we didn't really, uh, because there was no threat. The real threat came when the Muslims came. That's when probably they realized. That's how all Shivaji and all these people rose. And the interesting is, uh, thing is in Finland, what you mentioned, right? Uh, so they, the highest paid people there are the teachers, right? Because they are regarded as the most important uh, citizens in the, in the country. And that reminds me of the Indian ethos, because we gave that importance to teachers, the highest. I mean, we, the, the kind of respect that a teacher had, because they knew that the sacrifices that they are making with the, with the family, they are not spending enough time with them, 
and they're traveling. But teachers also traveled a lot. So the kind of respect that they had, I found shades of that in Finland when I read about it. And even I mean, because of environment, which is very important. In <coughs> yeah. So my question really was that now that we have some of this, we have Dharampa's book, a work, which some mm. of it I've read earlier. Mm. And I'm sure there is more information available in different parts. What is, what are we really learned from them and what do we now really bring back for us? Because today's papers are full of the way the survey has been done on the educational system, especially the government schooling. We know there's a, there's a whole survey going on right now to establish a new education policy. And we know we have a right-wing government which does want to go back and pick up, you know, at least some of the roots. Uh, and at the same time, we are in a very modern, very, uh, you know, uh, an age where things are moving at a pace which uh, we even don't know where it's leading to. Uh, so I think what we need to glean from this whole thing is that what do we really bring back to our system? Okay. Some of those experiments, I'm sure, are being carried out by, uh, you know, groups of people. But is I, I met somebody. I met somebody today. Yes. He was telling me about what he's doing and I was very happy. Maybe you'd like to talk about what you're doing? Yeah, sure. yeah. I'm basically working on method of Puropaksha being imbibed into Indian education system. So basically when I was attending a talk by Arvind Nilekanan, co-author of Breaking India, so I could understand that there is a need to bring ancient methods of Indian education system into present education system. So for that, basically my research will have threefold, mine is a threefold research now. So basically that will start with ancient jurisprudence. So ancient jurisprudence, if you track the process, how it goes, so it's a, it is a four-step process. So Purva, Uttara, Kriya and Nirnaya. So where I will present my arguments, the other party will present his arguments, the entire trial procedure goes on and then the judgment will be coming. So after this, there is some prakriya which is called Avdana prakriya. So Avdana prakriya, the Puchakas will give questions to the participant and there will be multiple Puchakas who will give, who will give multiple questions. So after that, after following this dharana procedure, he will compile all the answers which he has given to each puchaka and he will form as a, in a poetic manner. So in, the, in that process, he will just convert <coughs> from a prose manner and he will represent in a poetic manner. And when you see Puro Paksha, as Raju Malhotra says in his book, uh, Being Different, so that process is basically all about, like when we both are parties to a <coughs> debate, so I'll stand in your place and I'll first analyze your arguments after which I'll prepare my own stronger arguments. So even he says that <coughs> this is not about winning or losing. So this is simply about learning knowledge. Because <coughs> even if even a de debate between a farmer <coughs> and an officer can enlighten the officer. Critical yeah. inquiries. Yeah. <coughs> so my research is basically how to link these three because as I said there will be some, there will definitely be some similarities which I could find between these three. Are they being used anywhere, any of these models are being used anywhere in the education system in the world? In the world, I can't show. But, but in the education so system, no. I think the initiatives are happening at a small level in different places. We just don't know them all. And eventually these drops have to coalesce. Because in Bangalore, uh, I know about a school where all of them are Sanskrit enabled, all the children. It's a very good school. I'm planning to visit them. And uh, they are not only teaching them the modern subjects like civics, but they are relating them to <coughs> Dharma Shastras. So they are teaching them about this and then they are relating it to our text. That's the way they are proceeding. So I want to really go and sit in their classroom and see what they are teaching. I think they are doing a... You had mentioned that uh, during the Mughal period, 
Mm-hmm. Not enough attention was being given to education. science. Now that is very that part at that part. I mean, uh, those centuries you will understand. You just go back. Norman the Conqueror did not know how to read or write. Even Louis the Fourteenth did not know how to read or write. The kings thought that reading and writing was not their prerogative. Their their main aim was the sword and managing the empire. So the main attention was being given to the state administration and the politics. Hmm. And the teaching part and the learning part was left to somebody else. Hmm. A few, even in India, how many kings have you heard of who were good in literature? Very, very few. Yes. Very few. Most of them were by and large, just if not Anguta Chap, little more than that. They might have increased people. They might have increased poets and all that in their courts, hmm. like in Vijayanagara Empire. But by and large. The kings were not very keen on education themselves. Once the Muslims came, yeah. except Akbar. Akbar was a was a. Slowly, the system may have moved to the Brahmins being the holders of knowledge of a certain kind, hmm. and the the Kshatriyas were to be taught the warrior education, which yes. is what they're supposed to be doing. The Vaishnavas are probably supposed to be good at financial. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention. The, I forgot to mention that there was a parallel system of education whereby all the artisans were learning their trades, right? There was, it was, uh, so these universities were teaching the Vedic uh, knowledge, but there was a parallel system where people were learning different things, carpentry, you know, jewelry making and uh, various other things. And they, they were learning by an apprentice uh, method. And yeah, military training was separate, that they had a separate upanayana for that. Yeah. May I be forgiving? Uh, may I be forgiven for disagreeing with you? But there, were, I think there were many kings in uh, in our throughout our history who've been uh, keen on reading plus writing, and the poet kings, uh, as you mentioned, Vijayanagar, uh, Krishna Devaraya was a great poet. He wrote his own uh, uh, poems and all that. And you have Samudra Gupta, who uh, he he wasn't uh, as you said Anguta Chab. He was <laughs> a. A play, he played the veena and all those things. So, uh, I think that uh, in contrast, we would actually be uh, more accurate to say that you would uh, be hard pressed to find any king who was not in educate, uneducated or illiterate. As with, uh, but as you said, you were true about Alfred the Great. Uh, Alfred the Great himself did not know how to read and write. So, as far as the Western things go, that is. Absolutely Even correct. Even Akbar didn't know how to read. Yeah, but Akbar he encouraged was the least uh, education. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is that uh, part of this thing about kings being literate should go back to our uh, much maligned Varna system. Hmm. In the Varna system, at least every king knows that the Brahmin is above him. Hmm. So this is an aspirational ideal. Hmm. So education was actually given more importance per se, hmm. merely for the being yeah. reason because of the way the setup was. Secondly. Uh, there is one word of caution about this oral tradition. I think the oral tradition assumes a lot of importance and uh, genuine importance in the sense of Shruti. So where different Brahmin families are uh, given one particular sutra and they are supposed to do it. So you have Chaturvedis or Tripathis and so on and so forth. But that never meant that it was privileged, uh, oral communication was privileged over written communication for other branches of knowledge. It is actually yeah, uh, right. a stupendous yeah. achievement in terms of the Shruti literature. Mm, but when it comes to even Smriti, yeah, even right. Vedanta, etc., yeah. etc., 
it doesn't matter yeah good point yeah but if you look at the social structure 75% of all people would be in the udyam tantra or they would be shudras so if you look at it logically it tallies you know if they 75% of the people are shudras so it's likely that 55% in those patshalas hmm. were shudras so there is nothing unlikely yeah. which i think a myth is being reinforced hmm. that you know because everyone studied in their own way so education no, was people, not denied uh, most of us uh, most people are surprised because they thought shudras were excluded and they were not getting an education yeah but when you talk about shudras on janma based rather mm. than karma based mm. so it's not you know hard and fast so mm. exactly. if you look at the social structure actually right. uh, you know dharampal ji makes that observation mm. rightly from the archives but mm. the way we interpret it i mm. think is, is misleading mm. i wrote an article on india facts on uh, the varna vyavastha theory mm. v and uh, uh, i try to clarify that you know irrespective of whether you believe in birth based varna or karma based mm. karma based if you live within your roles and responsibilities hmm. your daitu kshetra hmm. and your entitlements and rights that's hmm. your uh, adhikar kshetra you will be flourishing so actually a shudra who is not a actual shudra cannot live like a brahman because he cannot follow the sayam and you know all the Good point yeah yeah so i think you know uh, anyway uh, it will be a long uh, debate the other question i had was regarding uh, you know indian and chinese languages why are they so different is there a continuum as we move eastwards i haven't found any okay i, I okay. really don't understand no like you said very interestingly that indian professors in china hmm. would change their names to chinese yes. now if you look at chinese americans when they go to america they also change their names so yes. but why haven't we insisted that islamic names in india should also be indigenous names you know as a rule or let's say christian names in mm. india should be indigenous names that's what we were made that way we didn't do it <laughs> okay yeah uh, my concern is now as what ma'am also said uh, many countries are trying to sort of do a relook at the whole system of education and it's quite likely they are going to tap into our sources of knowledge just like they are in many many other things whether it is in medicine in yoga and so on so is there any way where india can sort of perhaps should say the word but copyrighted it's our knowledge you know it's happening in churches for example where they're taking you know, passages from the vedas and trying to sort of you know extract them and put them as their own i mean if we can manage to do it that would be great so is there anything you are aware of the ministry level where they're trying to because we're very late on this as well so much of vedas it's too late in the day but i think we can try uh, Uh, because if you see even everything you know the way of the, even uh, pythagoras for example yeah. it said that he liked the gurukula system so much that he went back and set up that in uh, greece that, right yeah. yeah and there'll be an inner circle of uh, students who are close to the guru who will get more detailed knowledge and there'll be an outer circle of students that pythagoras took from uh, india i mean i mean if you want to copyright i think we have started now right we have because we have moved in very late if you recall even in things like basmati rice Turmeric, yeah, you know, products, it took a yeah. lot of pressure, you know, mm. to get into that uh, yeah. sort of thing. So, for example, so, if you read my book, I've spoken about the Madras method. You haven't read the book, no, right? No, no. Okay. So there was something called the Madras method. Uh, there was some uh, missionary who was traveling around India, and he noticed that the schools had uh, did not use need paper or anything for teaching, right? And they were using a, a, a big uh, a lump of sand outside the school. on which they were tracing uh, letters and teaching the students how to read and write so he was so amazed by that he said look at so they are teaching uh, at such a low cost why can't we do this in england and so he went and wrote that and he also noticed the mentorship 
that was uh, he found in schools in India where the senior students were teaching the junior students and the teacher would come later and uh, help them out. But he was also, they were learning and teaching at the same time. So he gave a name to that and he actually gave credit to India. Uh, so it was called the Madras method. But afterwards, I don't know, I think I'm sure the lot of plagiarism. No, because if I may add, what we have is a lot of resistance, which we always say to the student meetings. We have a lot of resistance to even understanding what you are saying. You know, mm. there'll be a lot of denial, even about Pythagoras, there'll be a lot of... There's an ingrained psychology in us Indians that if someone is speaking English, hmm. he's educated. So that's what Gandhi so that's was what talking about. In, uh, yeah, England. that's what Gandhi talked about, right? So he said we were better off 100 years before. Uh, in your book, you touched upon Samavartan. Yeah. The talk you did not mention. Like, it would be quite relevant because uh, today's convocations are like slightly different. It's just a gathering and handing out paper exactly, and uh, yeah. nothing more. So there was a sense of sacredness associated with Samavartana also because they would prostrate before the Guru, take blessings. Mm -hmm. So the thing about the education in those days was that I, I feel that the students were prepared for life itself. It was not just a career. So they knew how to take care of their health if they felt sick, what to do. They also knew, you know, so all this pranayama and all this like today we go and learn specially in uh, uh, classes. Same way, uh, environmental uh, management was inbuilt in every subject that they learned. So nobody had to go and learn environment separately. So if you're learning chemistry, you would know environment, uh, environment would be a part of that. If engineering, environment. So they knew how to live with the en environment and they were prepared for life. That was the kind of education we had. My observation was that when you said that the time of Muslims, our science and technology has advanced. लेकिन जब हम इतने सारे जो मकबरे हैं तो तो मीनार देखें या आप विजय स्तंभ देखें या आप मद्रास के जो मंदिर देखें उसमें भी तो टेक्नोलॉजी लगी है ये बात अलग है ये मेरा प्रश्न नहीं है एक ऑब्जर्वेशन है हर कोई अपना मत दे सकता है ये बात अलग है कि उनमें से कुछ को कन्वर्ट कर लिया गया लेकिन टेक्नोलॉजी तो लगी सबसे पहले कन्वर्ट होते थे आर्टिसन आप जब पढ़ेंगे ऑल दीज इन्वेजन फाइंड दैट इतने सारे आर्टिसंस को लेके वीवर्स फॉर एग्जांपल उनको कर कन्वर्ट कर दिया इनको कन्वर्ट कर दिया आर्टिसंस जो भी कर रहे थे दे वर फॉलोइंग दी अर्लियर सिस्टम्स एंड ऑफ कोर्स दे माइट हैव बीन सम न्यू वंस बट व्हाट आई एम सेइंग इज व्हेन द ब्रिटिश केम दे फाउंड दैट द साइंटिफिक थिंकिंग वॉज एबसेंट तो वो कहाँ गया वो दैट वॉज समेर एंड अगेन इट्स ट्विटर ज्ञान और समथिंग वेर दूल who is credited with mathematics. mathematics really patronize science education. But um, and they did not. They were, if you see, you know, why did they turn away those missionaries who had brought the printing press and the clock? Jahangir was present with, presented with a clock. He showed no interest in that clock. He just kept it aside. Why did he not try to find out how does this work? Why can't we all have clocks? And so, you know, that's why there was a disconnect between the European science when they came to teach us. We were, we didn't know most of those concepts because that had disappeared in the higher education, I mean.